Hello and welcome. I'm Jillian Raymond, the co-creator of Juicy Bits and a Coalition Snow ambassador. And I'm Jen Gorecki, your co-host and the CEO of Coalition Snow. For those of you who are with us in season two, we are glad you're back. For those of you who are new, get ready to laugh, cry, and maybe pee your pants a little. Juicy Bits is about taking the conversations that we start on the chairlift and at the trailhead and bringing them to you to explore alternative narratives that challenge the status quo about what it means to be a modern woman in the outdoors. Grab your helmet because sometimes it's a bumpy ride. FYI, friends, this podcast is for mature audiences, so you've been warned. Let's get to work and juice the patriarchy. Hey, everyone. This is Jen Gorecki here with a very special guest for this episode of Juicy Bits. I want to welcome Hannah, who is a queer feminist, activist, artist, and also a skier. Hannah, welcome to Juicy Bits. Hey, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my my pleasure. So today we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to talk about skiing. We're going to talk about your activism, your your art, and we're really excited to have you on the show today because you are bringing a perspective to the ski world and the outdoors that really hasn't become dominant yet and really isn't ma- mainstream. So I'm excited to be able to have this conversation with you today. Yeah, wicked. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. So let's um, let's start kind of easy because we're probably going to get into it. Uh, <laughs> I'm really curious. Um, when when did you get your start in skiing? Um, so my first memory of being on skis, uh, I was three years old, and I was between the legs of my mum. She was like holding my shoulders, and we were in a blizzard. It was in Scotland in a, a skiing area called. Glen Shee in Scotland and um, that's my first memory of skiing being sort of protected by my mum between the legs of my mum I must have had tiny little skis on I don't remember what they looked like or what I was wearing but um, that's my first memory of skiing and one of my first memories at all actually yeah so Scotland and how how did you go from being a three year old in between the legs of your mom into getting into professional <laughs> skiing? So like a lot a lot happened between being three and yeah. then becoming a professional skier. And so when did you when did you realize that this that it was more than just fun for you and that you were ready to sort of take it to the next level? Um, yeah, <clears throat> I think. Um... I think from a really young age, I I, um, I realized that sort of the mountains were really the only place where I could be myself or find myself. The mountains were in many senses like my only friend. And um, as I spent more and more time in the mountains, climbing, walking, skiing, they became so much more than like just a fun thing to do. It became part of my identity, part of my life. And um, becoming... I mean, you're my first sponsor, right? I mean, Coalition, big up to Coalition. You're the first 
family, the first group that's really stood behind me and said, yeah, we, we want to support you. We want to help you do the thing you love. Um, cause I'm coming, I'm actually coming back to skiing from, um, from some time away, uh, injury, transphobic attacks, things like that. A lot of trauma has happened in my life and I'm coming back to skiing now and rediscovering a dream, which I had from a very, very young age, which was to represent as myself, as a woman, as a feminine person. Um, so I think it's only really recently that skiing has become this like professional thing. It was always a survival thing. It was a way for me to be myself in the mountains, in nature, which fully embraced me, which never misgendered me, which never hated on me, just took me for who I was. And it was just there, you know, nature was there, I was there. And it's like an ongoing conversation. It's only recently that I've that I've thought about doing something like competitions, and that has a lot to do with my activism, to be honest. Um, yeah, I I stopped being able to go free riding and into the mountains, into the areas that I love, because I lost my whole crew when I transitioned. Um, and since then, it's been difficult to to find other other free riders to go with, other skiers to go with. I mean, does there's a lot there there's a lot of us but still um it's not it's not easy to find um people to go with for me so i joined the competitions because i get filmed and like people would dig me out of avalanches and you know it's just it's just like safer to go and do competitions if i jump off a cliff and land on my head then someone will come and dig me out and there's like five drones flying around me like you know what I mean? Like, I know that True. sounds ridiculous. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't at all. I mean, I think, um, you know, what's, what's interesting to me about this is that it's nature that is, is where you found where you could just be accepted as, as yourself and you never had to be anything else. And there's, there's a lot of power yeah. in that. And a lot of people spend time in the outdoors because of that that freedom that they find that they don't really get anywhere else but your story yeah, is, is a, it's a little bit um, different than a lot of us or, or the mainstream narrative about what it means to be uh, an outdoor person or a skier because as as you just mentioned you currently you identify as a non non-binary trans femme and and you've said that there's been some trauma and you lost your entire crew when you started to identify that way. And I'm I'm hoping that you can share with our listeners uh, what in whatever way you feel comfortable, what happened to you when you went public with being a non-binary trans femme. Um <clears throat> so I think in many ways. I'm responsible for losing my crew as well, you know, like I should have, I should have, I should have been representing for women, for feminists, for trans people much, much fucking earlier, right? But I was so scared since the age of whatever. I mean, every narrative is different. Every single person's narrative is different. Every trans man, every trans masculine person, every cis woman, every trans woman, every person of color, black person, indigenous person, our narratives are different. And it's the things which connect us, which interest me now. And my socialization and my family, the way I grew up, 
we were quite well off. Um, it's a white family. We had access to holidays. We could go skiing. You know, these are like massive, massive privileges, which I don't forget now when I'm up on the mountain or when I'm representing, like I try to bring my whole crew with me. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone's narrative is so different. I can I literally only speak for myself. And I think um, what happened to me when I, when I came out and I said to the world, no, fuck this, I'm a woman. I've always been a woman and I've learned these survival skills and I've tried to hide and I've tried to play the role that you've tried to give me well done cis white men but you failed <laughs> again to <laughs> to repress a woman to repress feminine energy so fuck you uh and I lost my company I lost my friends and yeah but fuck me for only having like male friends mm. you know mm-hmm. I mean I do feel that as well Jen I really do so do you think that the reason why you didn't have a more supportive community was because be, because you were so scared and because it's knowing you now and and the times that we've we've talked and um, the interactions that we've had you you seem like someone who's so invested in building community and surrounding yourself with the people who support you so it's 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 surprising to me um, that that it always hasn't been that way or that you or that you didn't feel supported through your transition? Well, I've always been a lovely person, right? Lovely. I've always been clearly, a really clearly. Ca- yeah. caring. <laughs> yeah. Let's just get this out there, like, recorded for posterity. <laughs> I'm a fucking lovely person, and I'm not nice. <laughs> Raises the fist for coalition family and women across the world. And I, I don't blame any woman or any trans woman, trans masculine person. I don't blame us for what we go through, right? And I don't blame us for our survival strategies, but at some point we need to understand that, to quote Asata Shakur, none of us gets free until we're all free. And that's so fucking true. And my survival strategy was for me. It was for me, totally for me, right? And I I, I can't blame myself for that as a woman. And I can't blame the National Organization of Women for fucking excluding sex workers and excluding black feminists back in the 70s and early 80s. But God damn it, it hurts. God damn it, that shit hurts, you know? It shouldn't be like that. And yeah, it makes me angry. makes me angry. I try not to turn the anger on myself for, 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 um, for surviving all of these years and for looking after myself in the best way that I thought possible in order that one day I'd be able to exist but I'd be lying if I didn't like say um that I didn't I'd be lying if I said I didn't carry a certain amount of uh guilt I suppose for for not being stronger as a as a three-year-old as a four-year-old I mean how the fuck could I have known to be strong back then I don't know but Mm -hmm. Some people do, and, you know, people born with vulvas and vaginas, whether they're trans men, trans masculine people, non-binary, cis women, whatever, they get that shit from birth, right? Right. I mean, that's what we do as a society. That's what this patriarchy does to people born with vulvas. And 
I think about this shit all the time, Jen, all the time. Well, and this is really what you're infusing into your activism and art, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And what, what does that look, look like? Because what, one of the things that you said to me before we actually hit record on this is that you don't really talk about yourself in terms of being a skier. You, you identify as a feminist and activist and an artist. So what are you doing in that space to advance this agenda of equity and in- inclusivity? So I, um, I practice something called investigative art. And um, it's like, um, uh, some people call it like a forensic science. I don't really think of it that way. Um, I, 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 I'm more like um, Susan Sontag's explanation of why she writes. And uh, it's simply to understand this absurd world around us. So sometimes when I write a song or a poem or I create a piece of art, it's only weeks or months or years later that I come back to it and realize that it was an attempt to, for me, an attempt by me to understand the absurdity of the human condition, my own condition. And I try to make it very personal. I try to tell stories about my own experiences and the things which I've witnessed going on around me uh, in, in many situations. I can and will and will always stay a witness to other people's experiences, right? I can't take them on and I won't take them on. I, some One of my friends um, came over the other day and showed me an incredible piece of work and, and said, Hannah, if you ever end up on a stage, you pick up that mic and you say, my name is Hannah, I'm a witness and I'm only here because of, and then list like 20 names of strong women that have brought you here, drop the mic and get the fuck off the stage. Mm-hmm. And that's how I try to practice my art. Investigative art is about, like, I speak about real shit. Like, I, I'd, I, as you know, I just came out of jail two weeks ago for some bullshit thing. Yeah. I'm a political activist. The photos are now being released on the internet without my consent. And they're horrific. It's it's really, really bad what happened to me. Um, Sorry, I'm getting a bit shaky now. Maybe I shouldn't talk about that kind of stuff, but it is important to talk about it. I try to put that into my art so that I can explain truths and not get attacked for them. So they can be used in court, legally in court as evidence, but they're not so... They're not so in your face. You have to do a bit of digging and understanding of the lyrics to really listen to what I'm saying. Um, So it it keeps me a little bit safe as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and in turn... I can sort of try and bury it under some layers, but at the same time, try and be as open as possible. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just scared. I am scared. I I think it's reasonable to be scared in this world, um, particularly now, particularly always. Um, Yeah, I think that that's a reasonable feeling to have. And... Yeah, but fuck their fear, right? I mean, fuck their fear tactics. Seriously, True. fuck their fear tactics. What? I mean, we, we. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like it's like you. It's reasonable to be afraid, but then it's all about what you do with it, right? So you can be afraid and you can yeah. retreat, or you can be afraid and then say, "Be because I'm afraid, because this is what they're trying to do to me. I I will be more outspoken. I will take to the streets." And and so there are different there's different ways that you can channel that fear. And for you, it, it sounds like you're really channeling that into your art and into your activism. 
and and that's a way that you're able to really support your your community and and elevate these voices and elevate these experiences that have just been trampled upon and erased for so long. Well, yeah, I mean, you're speaking for us all, sister. I mean, really, I just big up to Astraea Foundation, Miss Major, it's her birthday today. Obviously, Sylvia Rivera, Marsha P. Johnson, and all of the butch lesbians that have shown me the way, all lesbians, all women. I mean, seriously, big up to you. Because otherwise, I wouldn't be here, and I wouldn't be doing my art, and I wouldn't be able to go skiing. I mean, how crazy is that? I'm going skiing, crazy in a good way. I am crazy. So. <laughs> um you know, yeah. like no, no shaming there, no ableism or neurotypical bullshit. Um, I'm a proud, crazy girl. Yeah, I, I oftentimes <laughs> refer to myself in the same way. Um, so one of the things that, well, there's two other things. There's two, two things I want to talk to you about that, that definitely um, anger me. And I, I think that they are of high concern to you too. So, yes. so one of the things that we're seeing in the news a lot right now is that whether or not trans women should be able to compete along cisgendered uh, women. And I'm seeing a lot of this in the cycling world in particular. And there's actually, um, there's a a petition going around right now that has more than 5,000 signatures of people saying that trans women should not be competing in cycling. They should have their own category or they should be competing with, with men. And it's incredibly disturbing. It's not based on any science or fact and it's, it's transphobic. So what, what, what's your take on this entire uh, trans debate? I'm, I'm air quoting debate right now because it's, I mean, it's like, climate. why why are we debating climate? Like, is there really a debate? Uh, But I just wanted to get your, your take on, on what you're seeing around trans women and competing, because this is something that you might face. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. Air quoting debate. That's awesome. Um, Because there is no debate. I mean, there's no debate about whether women should be allowed to compete against women. That's just ridiculous. Um, What do I think about it? I don't know. It's just, I just try to ignore it, Jen. I try to take my cues from Casta Semenya and just fucking ignore that shit. Just get on with my work, get on with my representation, get on with my feminist activism and ignore that shit. Hate is going to hate. And the fact is that, you know, the, you know, the acronym TERF, trans exclusionary radical feminist. Well, you ain't a feminist if you're trans exclusionary sister, you know, you ain't a feminist if you're excluding black women, you ain't a feminist if you're excluding sex workers and native women, you ain't a feminist. So, um, TERF rhetoric, TERF ideology, um, which comes from a place of pain and misunderstanding is literally they get their funding from the right wing. They get their funding from the same sources as these people who are killing us all like follow the money. You'll find the answer. So I try not to hate on anyone, but fuck it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the, the, so just for our, our listeners, if they're not familiar with the concept of a turf. So once again, a turf is a trans excluding radical feminist. And it's a term that 
uh, a lot of women, not a lot of that. I shouldn't say a lot. I have no data to back that up. It's but, very, very few. Right, very, very, very few. Very few very but it's few. but they are they're very loud. And they essentially a very loud, very well funded minority. Yeah, and they yeah. their platform is essentially that they are feminists, that they support women, but they only support um, cisgendered women in competitions. And so it's it's um, it's fascinating if you Google that and watch the U- U- YouTube's because they try to. They try to portray themselves. Oh, God, do you do that? I can't do that. Yeah, well, it's I, I look I won't at do it. That. I don't think you, I don't think you should because it would be triggering to you. But for me, it's research to understand what is the landscape in sport. So that's why I I watch it to and, and I watched one all the way through and I was absolutely disgusted. But I I feel like I I feel like I have a better handle on where where it is that they're they're coming from and it's you know it it's it doesn't do feminism any favors and it doesn't do women any favors at all to exclude an entire group of people simply around your own personal belief. Uh, and that it's That's awful. It, that, it's awful. Yeah. You could, you could, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not, no feminist would go around judging other people on their feminism, exactly. right? Like we don't do that. Um, but when, when your feminism is hurting murdering women check yourself like step the fuck back and stop saying your feminism is feminism i mean seriously what the fuck you know sorry for the swearing but let's get this anger out first this is killing women this is murdering women this is murdering women this trans exclusionary sex work exclusionary um white feminism is murdering women how can they call it feminism? I don't understand. So I just try and ignore that shit. Well, I, I think that's good. But you, there's there's no reason for you to watch it. It's it's awful. It's awful. It's no, awful. It's, but, it's violent. But important yeah. for people to know about because this this is out there. And it's um, what I think is so scary about that about them is that because they call themselves feminists, they're trying to get themselves in with a more progressive liberal group of, of people. But all you have to do is listen to them for a few minutes and you realize that they're, that they're not at all. Yeah. Did you, did, did, did you remember the, the, the photo of Trump holding just before he got elected, holding like this, like tired, tattered rainbow flag and like somebody had scrawled like LGBT on it in a black marker. It was horrendous. And it was, I mean, it is horrendous right i mean no jokes it's like makes my heart skip a beat when i look at that picture now but some people bought it you know some people were like oh there's a photo of trump holding a rainbow flag it says lgbt on it obviously he's all for lgbt rights that that was enough for them apparently and uh turf ideology and it is an ideology um it comes from the right wing it comes from the the people in power and it 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 totally relies on gender biological essentialism right so an absolute binary construct which has been designed by Mm -hmm. men by the patriarchy i i I can't understand how any person 
who identifies as a human being could get with that. I just don't, I don't get it. Well, look at, I mean, look at what has happened to, to Castor. So you, you brought her up and, and yeah. um, on at, at coalition, we've written about this on our blog and posted it on social. And just for any of our listeners who aren't familiar with her, her story, she's an elite athlete out of South Africa. Who's one of the top um, runners in, in this world, um, but um, has been called trans, which she's actually not. She just has mm-hmm. um, X and Y cro- chromosomes. And she's been, um, there's been regulations against her saying that she can't actually compete anymore, which she's fought and some of them have been overturned. But she most recently wrote a piece about how she wanted how how when she was growing up she actually wanted to be a soldier and it's interesting because it's it's like not that much has has changed and i just i just want to read this quote from her and then i want to hear from you um you know why why you look up to her so much but so from this um from this recent article that that castor wrote she wrote there are two types of people in this world there are polite people people who respect people people who let people be who they are who they want to be. My parents are polite people. My family are polite people. I'm polite. I respect you when you tell me who you are and I see who you are. And then there are the other people, people who are threatened by greatness, people who are insecure or have to criticize other people for who they are. Those are the people I ignore. They do not exist. I shut them out. Wow. I mean... That's incredible, isn't it? Those the words of Castor cannot be improved upon. What do, what do you think about everything that she's been going through? I don't know. I have no perspective on that, mm-hmm. you know? I have no perspective on that. I'm a I'm a white passing girl from the north of England originally and uh yeah, I have my ancestors, but Caster's life is Caster's mm. life. I just try to listen mm-hmm. and learn. Um, I just, I'm just so shocked at what she's had to go through, and she's the best. She's an absolute inspiration. Um, I, I didn't have the family that Caster had. Like, I, I don't have contact with my family. Uh, don't think they want really anything to do with me. I only just found out that my parents are still alive. Like, um, and not sure where they live. Never seen my birth certificate. Um, uh, I mean, the 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 International Olympic Committee, um, who has had most of, I'm not sure if they've had no, have they had more of the rulings over Castor's life, or is it the IAAF, the International Athletics Federation? I don't know. I mean, they're both shit, but the IOC has at least like paused their yeah. bullshit. And the IAAF has doubled down yes. on their bullshit, um, and ah, oh, it's 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 messed up. Um, Casta, you're an inspiration, girl. I'd love to meet you one day. Oh my gosh, could you imagine if we got to meet her? Can oh you imagine? <laughs> it would be. I, I mean, oh I my, just it, she yeah she is one of the people who's who's like on my list of like. It would be such an incredible honor. Um, 
because what what she- I don't know why she would ever want to meet me or take the time to meet me but like seriously girl if you're out there Casta I hold this space for you in my heart right now and just I love yeah. you girl the interesting thing right about that um I think I, I think I read the same article and I was reading um I was reading uh, some statistic about trans women trans feminine mm-hmm. people and intersex people that identify as, as women and they're like 30 percent more likely to have joined the military at some point in their lives and not just the military but some kind of special forces oh, program and i find that really interesting i mean i have a little bit of experience there i was in the military mm-hmm. for a while and it wasn't basic military and it definitely definitely was an effort by me to air quotes kill the woman inside like when i was out there on the moors sleeping in a fucking puddle having not slept for three days shivering seeing the lights over my hometown like thinking what the fuck am i doing getting off operations going back to my life going out as Hannah, as a woman, feeling incredible, and then going back to the military. It was such a messed up time, Jen, such a messed up time. I can understand why women do it. I can understand why trans men do it. So let me totally. let me get this straight. So you were in the process of undergoing various surgeries, and you were identifying as Hannah in your personal life, and then going back to the military and, and identifying as a man? Don't need no surgeries, sure. mate. Nothing male okay. about me. I wanted to make sure that, you, <laughs> but you, you were. But I was, I was, I was beginning to transition. Yeah, I mean, I've been transitioning okay. my whole life. Um, I think life is a transition. I had, I had various like mm-hmm. attempts, I guess. Like, um, you know, classic nan- trans narratives are pretty boring these days, I reckon. But especially mine. But yeah, look back. You know, back when I started going into puberty, it was all fucked up, and I, I. I then I got sent away um, and that kind of put a stop to that. And then when I left, uh, when I left school, I had another shot at it when, uh, when I left um, school and, and went away to, I had a chance to go to university. That was amazing. That's not a chance everyone gets. And I had another crack at it then, like just, just being myself, you know, like just, just being me. Um that didn't work. I ended up in the military and like doing all sorts of that stupid crap. I mean, God, I'm so ashamed of that now. And eventually, eventually you, you, you can't keep a woman down for long. You know, you really can't like we, we survive. We are survivors. We're, we're survivors. We break through, we survive. That's what we do. And then we thrive and we fuck (laughs) shit up. Yes, we do. So yeah. So we're kind of like we're kind of coming full circle here where you had this really traumatic upbringing and you were trying to find yourself and then it was when you returned to nature that it all became clear and where you felt safe and where you felt you could be like like yourself. So I'm curious what what does the future hold for you now that you know the place you need to be. Hmm. So, <clears throat> so at the moment, I uh, last last year, 
um, I, I I almost jumped out of bed after three years, totally, totally traumatized, almost afraid to leave my room, let alone our, our tiny little apartment, and said to my partner, uh, who's a transmasculine, non-binary transmasculine person, we've been married for four years, by the way. Mwah. Love you, baby. Um, <laughs> I said... I'm going to join the free ride world qualifiers. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I always wanted to, to ski as me. I wanted to be a extreme skier. That's just always what I've wanted to do. I'm going to sign up. And they were like, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Do that. <laughs> because my legs were like mm-hmm. pins. I had no muscles. Um, I've been on hormones. So I didn't know if my, I didn't know if osteoporosis had set in, if my bones were going to shatter when I jumped off a cliff, all of that stuff. Uh, I was pretty sure my liver was messed up from testo blockers, which I've mm-hmm. stopped taking. And um, by the way, because I just refuse to do that to my body anymore to conform to any kind of tests that yeah. they're going to put me through. Um, that was last year. Managed to compete. Um, rankings not important to me. Firsts are not important to me. Being the first out trans woman to compete. Uh, in the worldwide competitions not important to me like I'm one of the last you know and when when's my sister gonna be up there when's my sister from Uganda gonna be up there on the slopes with me you know I'm one of the last but I'm not gonna be the last and that kind of that hurts so my plans are yeah representing the free ride world qualifier this season as much as I can push as hard as I can but also fly the flag for the women across the world who are fighting right now, I mean across the world, in Sudan, in Yemen, in Rojava, Kurdistan, in Kashmir, in Brazil, you know, in Chile, in Catalonia, represent for my sisters who are not up on the mountain with me and hopefully hopefully visit some of these places, some of these uh, feminist women doing a lot of this work that I'm reading about. They're trying to get their stories out. Kashmir, for example, is locked down right now. There's no internet. There's very little mobile phone coverage, very little uh, medical um, assistance, no banking, no post offices. And I've got uh, friends, women, fighters over there who are trying to get their stories out and they're not being heard. Um, so I want to boost their stories a little bit. So if there's anything I can do in that area, maybe with a, a little trip to Kashmir or to Rojava, um, then that's what I'd like to do. Um, I'd like to go into the mount, uh, the the women of the YPJ and the Kurdish people say, the mountains are our friends. The mountains are our friends. They've been abandoned, used, tokenized, used as pawns in so many of our wars Mm -hmm. Jen you know and one of the things they say is the mountains are our friends and I can I can feel that in my own small western European white girl way the mountains were my only friends when I was growing up when I was finding my identity when I was protecting myself and surviving I escaped into the mountains so I'd like to I'd like to see how these projects are working on the ground these feminist projects on the ground in Rojava um, and in Kashmir, 
yeah, I'd like to I'd like to visit these places and uh, and see how my sisters are doing. Well, I am just at sort of a loss right now of all of these women and places and 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 the things that you want to do and and what I am really so inspired by right now is. And I, and I think why it's you and I get along and why why we've asked you to be a part of the Coalition Snow team and you've said yes is because we both value this idea of telling other people's stories and making skiing be something more than just a super privileged white space. And, you know, we, we yes, both love yeah. our time in the mountains and we both see how how transformative and crystallizing it's it's been and and to some extent we want other people to feel that joy that we've been able to feel and i personally believe that if we're able to to change snow sports to change skiing into being something that is that is about these much um, larger issues and more inclusive of, of people and 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 connect them connect it to what's happening all over the world, the industry is going to be stronger. Um, the sport is going to, to, to grow and more people are going to be able to find the joy that you and I have had. Like skiing, skiing can be more than what it is today. And that's, that's important to me. That's important yeah. to you. And I'm just really thrilled to have you on the team and to be able to get to know you and to have this conversation with you today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, the industry thing, let's yeah, talk let's about the it. industry we for do. a second. Yeah, have we it. got time? Because I never thought I'd be able to get back into the mm -hmm. industry, right? I had a company for, a, for several years and um, I sold and represented and helped with marketing um, for a variety of companies. Uh, I won't name any names, <clears throat> but the industry is one thing, and um, being allowed by the mountains to 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 leave a line on the I say the exhaled breaths of billions of people the frozen exhale breaths of billions of people, that is a mm -hmm. fucking privilege in itself, you know? That's skiing for me is about communication, two-way communication with the mountain. If the mountain allows me to to leave my mark on it, wow. I mean, that is that touches me very, very deeply, you know? Um, and I think that skiing in these places, I mean, I have got nothing to teach to skiers in Lebanon. I've got nothing to teach to skiers in Kashmir or in Persia. They know their skiing better than I will ever know their skiing. But going there as a skier and communicating them via skiing, with skiing, in harmony with the mountains, maybe we can bring some of those stories back and change our industry, the industry, I mean, it is out. I mean, it's right. not our industry yet, Jen, but watch <laughs> the space, right? <laughs> it like, yeah, we're working on it. It's certainly not going to be their industry for much longer. I mean, no, no, no way. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Your days are over. But you, you know, that this, this um, industry and skiing, skiing industry for me, 
there is a line there. And what I love about Coalition, the reason I'm so glad to to be part of this family is that is that you're um you see the absurdity in the line between industry and existence mm-hmm. you know the the soul of skiing the reason the why of skiing is not to make profit in a capitalist system i mean not for me not for you not for anyone in the coalition family mm-hmm. you have a bottom line sure you have a bottom line and we need coalition we want coalition to survive and we want coalition to dominate this shit for sure in the best usage of that word but when i go out and ski and when i go to places and listen and learn i really really hope that i have learned enough so far to just be doing that to be listening and learning and amplifying voices and not think that i'm listening and then translating it into my own uh, constructs of identity and experience and life and uh and cutting out words and translating it and putting in scientific language and then reselling yeah. it back to the industry do you know what i mean like that's why i love sisu magazine as well it, it's stories it's it's just pure stories and experiences unfiltered non-translated in 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 insofar as is possible for an audience um yeah there's there's a good um book by uh a scholar called gayatri mm-hmm. spivak and she wrote a book called can the can I've the subaltern that, speak <laughs> yeah fantastic amazing amazing it's so good to, yeah in okay the well, yeah in the so everyone listening Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everyone listening can subaltern speak yeah yeah oh jen so much love for you right oh, now seriously oh same about you so we, we're gonna wrap this up right now i want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us and um i'm incredibly excited to be able to share your story and your perspective here but also in the winter issue of sisu magazine and you know i'm like over the top that you're going to be skiing on our skis like over the top about this yeah yes Yes, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Um, can I just say also thank you to everyone listening and for sharing this space with us. I really don't take that for granted. Thank Thanks, you everyone. so much. We'll see you next time.